Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, a show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. Alan Stein Jr. is here again. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's so great to be with you again. <laughs> so remind everybody about kind of your background and how you came to be an expert in the areas of performance. I spent most of my career in the direct basketball training space and was a basketball performance coach, primarily at the youth and high school level, but had a chance to work with about a dozen players that are currently in the NBA back when they were in high school. And then that afforded me some opportunities with Nike basketball and Jordan brand and USA basketball. So I got an opportunity to work with some already established big name players. So I've had the very unique vantage point of seeing what it takes to get to the top of the proverbial mountaintop. And then of course, what it takes to stay there. And uh, five years ago, I decided to make the distinct pivot from basketball training to corporate keynote speaking and have been enjoying my career as a professional speaker for the last five years. Beautiful. And so today... What do you think in the performance world inside corporate America, what do you think, you know, one of the biggest problems is? It's the constant recalibration that needs to be done. Obviously, we've all had a major shift in the past two years with the pandemic, and it's kind of refining and recalibrating the things that worked really well prior to the pandemic. Yeah. Then the shifts and the pivots that people had to make during the pandemic And now we need to kind of blend the two together and figure out, and I know this is becoming a tad bit overused and cliche, but what this new normal is going to look like and what do each of us need to do both personally and professionally, individually and organizationally to show up as our best selves and to make a maximum contribution to those around us and those that we serve. And and that's been the height of my work for these, you know, last couple of years in particular is helping folks make those recalibrations. I like the word recalibration. So this is coming from a per, you know a personal place where I felt as though over COVID I have had my foot on the gas pedal for so long and honestly Alan I just need a break I just need to stop pushing for a second what do you say to people who just want to take their foot off the gas for a minute <laughs> give me some advice. <laughs> I highly encourage it and I highly recommend it. You know, it's simply not sustainable to be on and to be going and to be pushing and to be charging and to be hustling nonstop. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to have intermittent breaks, you know, and I recommend doing those, you know, there should be times during your daily routine where you have some downtime. Uh, There should be times during your weekly routine that you have some downtime, monthly, quarterly, and yearly. You know, whether that's to the tune of, you know, and here's a good rule of thumb, you know, every day you should take at least one hour to unplug, to digitally detox, to detach, to sit in stillness or to do something that fills your bucket, whether that's physically, mentally or emotionally, but something that recharges your battery. You should make the time for at least an hour a day to do that. And during the week, if possible, and I know every week is not the exact same. If you have a big project or a a keynote you're preparing for, if you're going to launch a course, but every week you should take at least one day off to rest, recharge, and to fill your bucket. I'm a believer that every month you should take an entire weekend off and unplug. 
And then quarterly or yearly, make sure you're you're putting in some, I guess we'll call them vacations or, you know, even if it's a staycation, just something where you get away from the normal hustle and bustle. And uh, that time and energy is actually going to be reinvested when you get back to work. You'll be, a, you'll be have more focus. You'll have more energy. You'll be a better version of yourself. So this very much parallels the world that I was in with athletes. You know, athletes can't train hard eight hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year. They'll, they'll get injured. They'll get burnt out, you know, so they have to have rest and recovery after intense workouts, practices, and games. And we as working professionals, especially in the speaking world, have to do the same. Okay. Well, that's making me feel a little better. And, you know, I think that unplug piece that you mentioned is really important because even when I am on the treadmill, I have my phone right there, right? Why can't I just put the phone aside for an hour? I There's a bit of an addiction problem there. So I'm going to be investigating. I have a, there's a book in my iPad right now called How to Break Up with Your Phone. <laughs> I need to go back and circle back to that. Okay, so let's talk about your latest book. Tell everybody the title and what the three key elements are. Sure. So my first book that came out three years ago was called Raise Your Game. Okay. Uh, basically to show folks how to reach optimal performance in any of area of their life, whether it's as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, even as a spouse or as a parent. You right. Know, it, it's kind of the, the foundational principles of reaching that proverbial mountaintop. And right. my latest book, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, is called Sustain Your Game. And it shows folks how to maintain and sustain excellence and optimal performance for long periods of time. And what I found is there have been three things that really undermine our ability to sustain performance and excellence. And I think most will agree these three things were heightened exponentially during the pandemic. Yes. That's how we manage stress, how we avoid stagnation, and how we beat burnout. So those are really the three primary focal points of the new book and the sections at which we attack those. Okay. I want to go into each of those. And, you know, I just feel as though a lot of people having felt like, oh, okay, you know, we made it to the other side, maybe need some of this right now. That's why we wanted to have you back on because sustaining your game after something like what we've been through in our industry is a new conversation right now. It's oh. different than what it was sustaining your game five years ago and sustaining your game today is different. It, it absolutely is. Yeah, the pandemic really changed everything. And, and, and obviously, there were many industries that were heavily affected by the pandemic. But it wasn't just us. No, but speaking certainly was at, at the top of that list. And, you know, I mean, I, I think most speakers can remember vividly you know, around March 13th of 2020, when the carpet was pulled out from every single one of us, and we all saw our calendars immediately decimated, you know, for the next six to eight months, and what that felt like. And that certainly heightened stress for most of us. So yeah, that's a good to manage that. <laughs> that's a good segue into the, so it's three P's, perform, pivot, and prevail. Perform is about managing stress day to day. Pivot is about avoiding stagnation and prevail is about beating burnout. And I think that those are all really key topics. So let's, let's dive first into the whole managing stress. And I think maybe we should just speak about stress versus like anxiety that may be heightened 
But if you have an underlying mental illness, that maybe some of these things might change for you. I think personally, my anxiety has changed, evolved really a lot over the last two years. How do you define stress versus anxiety? Let's break that apart for a second. Well, first and foremost, it's important for everyone to recognize that both are normal, both are natural, and both are part of the human condition. Thank you. Um, (laughs) That when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed or you're feeling anxious or worried, the best thing you can do is take a deep breath and give yourself some grace and some compassion and just know that it might not feel good in the moment, but it's okay to not be okay and that you are definitely not alone. I think that the feeling... That, that we're alone or that we're isolated makes all of these things feel, you know, a thousand times more overwhelming. So just know that it's okay if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, stressed, or anxious. That is part of being a human being. Mm, thank for you me, for that. I think that's a good thing. We, My husband's home today because we've had a COVID scare. Okay. And so, you know, every time you're taking the test, that's up and down. And I know we're not finished with these tests. so. And all these emotions come with it. I haven't had a positive yet, but I feel like it's going to happen. And so I, I've been learning from other people how emotionally they felt. Some people are cruising right through it without, oh, it was nothing. No big deal. For sure. And one of the most important parts, and you know, I think this is just good advice for all of us on a very macro level, is having the self-awareness and the emotional intelligence to understand our feelings, to recognize our feelings, not try to suppress them or resist them. You know, that that's why if you're feeling stressed or you're feeling anxious, don't try to lock that away. Like understand that that can simply flow through you just like all other emotions can. And it's important to recognize and understand, but also try and figure out kind of the the source of what's causing the stress and anxiety. And to me, the, the definition that most resonated was from philosopher Eckhart Tolle, who defines stress as your desire for things in the moment to be different than they are. Uh-huh. And, and, and I, you know, I mean, that certainly resonated with me, especially during the pandemic. So, which means the first step to reducing stress is the level of acceptance over the things we have control over and over the things we do not have control over. And, and clearly, and I say this with a huge smile, the vast majority of things that happened during the pandemic were things outside of our individual control. There was nothing that we could do about it. So we need to do the best that we can, still giving ourselves some grace and compassion to keep our focus on the things we do have control over, such as our own attitude and our own effort. And when you can learn to simply accept that things happen in the world that we don't control, and you put all of your focus into your response to those things, uh, at least through firsthand experience, that's helped me reduce stress dramatically. Yeah. And in the early days, I really noticed some differences between people attitudinally, where some immediately saw opportunity and some immediately saw devastation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, understanding where did you begin and where did you get to during that? You know, I didn't start at opportunity, but I made my way there pretty quickly. For sure. But knowing that my default position is not there, it's, I, you know, so I think that that's just an interesting thing to notice is, did you see opportunity? I've talked to people who have said, you know, I haven't given a speech in two and a half years, nor do I have anything on my calendar. 
So we clearly know which camp that they're in. For sure. I just want to commend you for having the self-awareness to recognize that. And that's that's ultimately going to be the first step to improving in any area is awareness. I mean, whether you're on the stage or off the stage, you will never improve something you're unaware of, and you will never fix something you're oblivious to. So the first step is simply to have a self audit and to recognize this is where I am. And when you find yourself in a a lower place, when you find yourself dwelling on the negative, instead of looking for the growth or opportunity, once again, don't, don't add guilt and shame on top of that and make it worse. Give yourself permission to feel how you feel in the moment. You know, if, if you need a little bit of time, you know, to kind of settle those feelings, that's fine but then start to work on ways that you can climb out of that. And and I think this is where we have to be very careful not to play the comparison game, uh, Uh not to say, you know, you know, as a speaker, I feel like everything in my world has been decimated, but it looks like all of my speaking colleagues are doing great. That's only going to make things worse on your end. So don't worry about playing the comparison game. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the comparison game when I said that my anxiety levels are higher now than they ever used to be before. And then I look out at everybody who's out traveling and doing business and masks off. And that's not a comfortable place for me to be in. And I wonder if other people who are kind of leaning into the anxiety a little bit more are feeling the same way. Like I'm not kind of there where you are yet. And so I think maybe just recognizing that I am where I am and they are where they are and no good thing ever came from comparison, really. Absolutely. And this is also where each of us can lean into empathy and learn to meet others where they are. You know, I've always been a big believer whether it's in the speaking community or whether it's, it's in your individual team or organization, that when you're struggling, you need to have the courage and the vulnerability to reach out to someone else to ask for help and to ask for support. And, and that can be very tough to do, but also recognize that when things are going well, when you're in a groove and you're in a flow, just know that somebody else out there is hurting, somebody else out there is struggling, and that's your chance to extend an olive branch to be of service to them. So regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, whether you're on the end of struggling or you're on the end of an incomplete flow, just do your best to reach across the fence and add value to someone else. And that's one of my favorite things about the speaking community, you know, the, the fraternity and sorority that we've created I've found so many different speakers that have been willing to reach out and to help and to support and to brainstorm and to offer ideas and, and certainly know that, that your work and, and this show is a big portion of that. But I believe that, you know, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle and we should do everything we can to try to light each other up because we're all in this industry together and we should all want this industry to thrive because it will provide more opportunity for each and every one of us. Absolutely. And I have been really blessed for 30 years to be hanging out with some damn cool people and smart people. And thank you for that. That was really good. Okay. So perform is all about managing your stress on the short term level. And you did talk about things that we could do each day. Is there anything else we need to cover before we move on to the next one? Now, really, just remember that anxiety usually stems from us worrying about a hypothetical future that's never happened, that hasn't occurred yet. You know, we we tend to get anxious 
about our projection of what may happen in the future. And as normal, as understandable as that may be, it very rarely serves us, you know. So I'm a big believer that, you know, the future really only exists in our mind and in our language. Like you can never be in your future. Anywhere, you can only be where you are. Now we can, we can imagine the future and we can project what the future will look like. So if the future is going to be hypothetical anyway, why not just assume that the future is going to be bright, that, that tomorrow is going to be a good day, that this event you have coming up is going to be the best you've ever done. If it's already going to be hypothetical, then you might as well lean towards uh, painting the picture of the future you'd like. And please know that every single thing I'm sharing with you right now is very easy for me to say. None of this is <laughs> easy to do. to do. No, and, and I'm not coming from a place of mastery. These are all things that, you know, even the stuff in my books, you know, I have an awareness of these things, but I haven't mastered them. I have the same struggles and challenges that every one of your listeners has. And we're all in this journey together. And I think that's another thing that can help relieve some of the anxiety, pressure, and stress is just simply the acknowledgement that no matter where you are in your life, you will always be a work in progress and you will always be, you know, under construction. I don't ever plan to be under museum glass as a finished product. (laughs) Even when I've been in the speaking business for 30 years, I can promise you that I will still be trying to up-level my craft, that I'll still be working on new content and ways to improve delivery. I'll still be working hard on my business. And for me, I actually get a tremendous amount of enjoyment in doing the work and being a part of that process. And, and for me, when we, we worry too much about outcomes, mm-hmm. that heightens stress and anxiety. You know, like don't, don't worry about what the audience is going to think about your next keynote. Be fully present and just focus on serving them, delivering value to them, having fun when you're on stage, being your best self, because that's the only part you have control over. Well, one of the things that does reduce my anxiety about things that I worry about is planning ahead. What will I do if this happens? And there's something to be said for not worrying about and being present for a presentation. But also having a plan. What if the fire alarm goes off? What if somebody's cell phone rings? What if there's a medical emergency in the first row? I think having a plan. So please tell my husband that it's okay to have a plan if something should go wrong, just because then you are prepared for what outcome. Absolutely. I'm I'm so glad that you went in that direction and brought that up. That's incredibly insightful. And I know every every word in the English language has a different connotation. It it sparks a different emotion for each each and every one of us. And I'm a huge believer, especially as a speaker, in making my preparation part of my separation. And everything you just said there are, are things that I absolutely plan in advance for. But see, I define that different as okay. worrying or, or anxious. Yeah, he thinks yeah. I'm worrying, but really I'm just planning. <laughs> yes, I, and, and that's the distinction that each of us has to make with our own terminology. Yeah. I am fully prepared that the power could cut out and the AV tech equipment stops working. I'm fully prepared if a fire alarm goes off or even something nominal like someone in the front row's phone rings. I'm prepared for those things, but once I, I've got a plan in place, I don't spend two seconds worried about whether or not they'll happen. Yeah. And that to me is, is the big difference. And that I think it's the worry. And I like that. So yeah, it absolutely lowers stress. And it. Prepared. 
gone. I'm going to keep doing it. Okay. So moving from perform to pivot, avoid stagnation. This is more of a, you know, we talked short term. This is more of a medium term thing. Talk a little bit about how we avoid stagnation because this is something, you know, you get back out there after not really delivering live presentations for a couple of years. First, you need to shake the rust off. But I think people should probably be doing a little reinvention inside of there to so that they get themselves like really whooped up and excited about giving this presentation again. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head. And and I think stagnation can be very common within the speaking world. And I know it's something that, that I've had issue with. I have portions of my keynotes and certain stories that I've told that I've been telling for years now. And wow. I know them so well. I, it, if you were to come at three in the morning and wake me up from a dead sleep and ask me to tell you one of these stories, I could almost tell you, you know, robotically, I could repeat them word for word. So there's, it's very easy when you've had a certain level of success on stage and things are working to kind of put on the mental cruise control and just try to ride that out. And, you know, I'm sure we're all familiar with speakers that have been basically given the same keynote for well over a decade. And mm-hmm. while it may still be working for them, it's really hard to sustain the same level of passion and enjoyment and enthusiasm for your work if you're not constantly tinkering and changing. So for me, the two things that I try and do specifically as a speaker to avoid stagnation, one is I change my inputs, what I read, watch, and listen to. Uh, I'm a believer that our inputs directly affect our outputs. Okay. That if you're constantly reading new, exciting engaging stuff, that's going to affect the way that, that you perceive the world, what you think, what you put out. And, and I do this both within the speaking world. I'm always trying to study and watch other speakers, not to try and copy them or not to try and steal their content, just simply to get motivated and inspired by other people that are top of craft. But I also make sure that I step outside of our direct industry. And I study things like hip hop and stand up comedy. I'm a huge fan of movies and television and watching the cinematography and the way actors can portray characters, you know, and and their types of performance. Obviously, I love the athletic world, so I study that as well. But I'm constantly drawing on things outside of the speaking world that I can try to pull into and use as part of, of speaking. So the first thing I do to make sure I'm never stagnant is I'm constantly changing up what I read, watch, and listen to with my inputs. And then the second thing is I'm constantly trying to shake up the people that I'm spending time with and investing time with. And, you know, if I, if I meet a new speaker at an event we do together and we hit it off, you know, building a relationship or a friendship with that person, making time to connect with them again after the event and, and maybe have a little brainstorming session or a mastermind session or ask what things have been working well for them. You know, I'm a voracious podcast listener. You know, in addition to your show, I devour other shows that are in the speaking genre, as well as shows that have nothing to do with speaking for that exact same reason. And, you know, it's, I've always been of the belief if, if I were to listen to one of your episodes and it's 30 or 40 minutes long and I pick up one, two or three valuable nuggets that I can apply to my life, boy, that was an unbelievably great investment in my time. And, and I certainly find that to be the case. So I make the time to switch up all of the things on, that I have control over so that it will prevent me from getting stagnant. And, and I also surround myself with people that care enough to hold me accountable, that if they think I'm getting complacent, 
they give me a friendly little elbow to the ribs to let me know. And, and I, I really welcome that. And I appreciate that. Yeah, that's I love change up your inputs. I love the idea of shaking it up. And I also love the idea of going back to your material. We call we call it cleaning out the closet. You put it all out on the floor. And then I think this might be either an Eric Chester or a Mark Scherenbrock idea. You interview it to see what makes it back in. Ooh, the keynote. You interview all your pieces to say, is that in line with what this new idea is? And because when you, I think, re-engage in your material, that gets you super excited. I think it helps your sales as well. But we always want to be trying to take our delivery to the next level. So we've even in the world of my students, the Wealthy Speaker School, we've even been leveling up our virtual. We've been leveling up everything is under review right now. So let's all take it to the next level. Love that. Okay. Our final idea here is prevail. And prevail is all about beating burnout and making a lasting impact. This is more of a long-term idea. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the first is is kind of how you brilliantly teed up our conversation talking about taking your foot off of the gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big portion of reducing the potential for burnout is already having intermittent breaks in. You know, what I find the root cause of burnout is when we're working a ton of hours and making a ton of sacrifices and those hours and sacrifices are no longer in alignment with what fills our bucket, with what gets us excited, with what we're interested in. You know, it's so it's not just the long hours that create burnout. It's when it's not in harmony with what you want to be doing or meaningful, purposeful work. And and I would certainly hope, you know, one of the reasons that someone would enter the speaking industry is because they want to serve others. They want to add value to people's lives and they have something, an expertise or a concept or something that they can share that will do those things. And if you start to veer away from your original intention of speaking, which is to be of service, which is to fill people's cups, which is to share something that you are passionate about. If you start to veer away from those things and you're now only working long hours, that's when burnout will start to rear its ugly head. So you've got to refocus that lens and make sure you stay connected to your your true purpose and your your true calling and your reason for entering the speaking business in the first place. Mm. It's easy to forget when you have your foot pushed down constantly. And I already feel better just having said it out loud. I'm just taking my foot and we got these new ideas. And then a couple of pieces of the puzzle fall, fell into place. And a lot of really good things have happened from taking the foot off the gas pedal. But one of the things we try to do in the summertime, I've always had a Friday off idea and I kind of enforce it a little bit more strongly on Fridays. But also after every long weekend, which here in Canada, we try to have one long weekend every month in the summertime. And there have been times, I don't know if we'll do it this summer, but there have been times that we've taken the rest of that week off. So we've had like five weeks off in the summertime, kind of spread out a little bit, which has been so very, very nice. A lot of my clients are uncomfortable with putting an autoresponder on that says I'm recharging. But I think if you word it correctly and in line with your brand, it can be powerful for your clients to go, oh, okay, they're walking their talk over there. I think that's really smart. 
you know, people will appreciate it and they will often wait. Hopefully you have someone who is helping to support you and can talk to people in the meantime. But I think downtime is incredibly important, but I think a lot of people are too fearful to do a lot of it, Alan. Yeah, well, you just said that so beautifully. To me, the most important part is clearly articulating because the communication portion is the most important and just letting them know, I'm going to be out of office for this period of time. And here's why. Ultimately, I'm doing it to be in service of you. Yeah, ultimately, I'm doing it. So when I come back, I will be so recharged that I'll be able to pour into you tenfold. So, so I'm actually doing you a favor by me stepping away for a little bit. And, um, and then, yeah, if you have the ability to say, you know, if, if it's an emergency and you really need me, you can speak to my assistant or here's a cell phone or, or whatever you need to do yeah. that makes you feel comfortable. And certainly, you know, that's, that's most likely dependent on how long that you want to unplug for. Uh, I think if you're just looking to unplug for three or four days, most people will be incredibly gracious with that. If you feel the need to take two to three weeks off, then I would definitely have some type of plan B in place that if somebody does need you or a, a really hot inquiry comes in, you know, you're, you're able to, to take care of everything. But to me, it just comes down to back to what we said earlier, just make sure you're planning in advance and you are clearly communicating what you'll be doing and why you'll be doing it. And then just have confidence in that and just realize, and, and I hope every speaker knows this, you know, you will never please everyone. Yes. So it's a futile attempt to try and don't spend your time worrying about the one or two people that could potentially be turned off by you taking time off. If you know that is in your best interest and it is aligned with your core values and allows you to be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. You just you, you go ahead and do it and you do it professionally and with tact and with a big smile. And I've always believed things will work out just fine. I love that. And my perfect client does not believe that I need to be available to them 24 seven, 365. You know, so I think that if you really identify what your perfect client, who they might be, and set yourself up for success by thinking, okay, I'm going to take a seven-day stretch, but I'm going to give myself two hours to clear emails on Wednesday or something like that. I think that we can be reasonable about this while at the same time really taking care of ourselves because not turning off your phone ever is not necessarily managing stress very well, wouldn't you say? Oh boy, I I think it will heighten it exponentially. I really believe being tethered to screens and electronics is... What's the minimum? What do you think the minimum would be? Well, ultimately it comes back to our own self-awareness and knowing how we operate. And I know for myself, I love structure. I love consistency. I love routines. So for me, it's it gives me comfort to put things in black and white and say, you know, I do not check my phone for the first hour after I wake up and I do not check my phone after around 7 or 8 p.m. each night. And that, you know, that gives me comfort putting up very black and white guardrails. Other people don't have to be as rigid with that. Other people can have a different process. But but I've even gone deeper with different systems and processes as far as, uh, turning off certain notifications and deleting certain apps and certain parts of social media off of my phone. I have rules in in my place where, you know, I only work when I'm in my office, when I'm in other parts of my apartment, 
you know, I stay, I might do something casually, like play a word game on my phone or watch a YouTube video, but I, I try not to do work in other areas. Uh, wow. Very similar to Pavlog's dog. I've conditioned myself that yeah. when I am in my office, it's time to be productive and get work done. When I am outside of my office, it's time to relax, recharge and rejuvenate. And again, that works for me. I'm not implying that's a good yeah. fit for everybody else, but each person needs to have the awareness to know what types of systems can I put in place that allow me to be my best self and to feel fully charged and full as consistently as possible. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right. So let's tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and what the best first step might be. Of course, we want them to buy your new book, Sustain Your Game, which is probably available everywhere, I assume. It sure is. Yeah. Folks can easily find me at allensteinjr.com. I have a supplemental site, strongerteam.com. Very easily found on social media at Alan Stein Jr. I love engaging with folks, especially with fellow speakers. So shoot me a DM on Instagram or connect on LinkedIn, or I don't know when this will release, but if it's before and folks are going to be at NSA's Influence in Nashville, I will be there and would love to to meet any of your listeners and give folks a high five and, and talk some shop. Awesome. I think it might be released before then, but I'm not entirely sure. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been fabulous for me, selfishly speaking. And I know that our listeners will really appreciate it. And with that, we're going to say, see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next-step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.